like wearing a pager. And uh, so you know, it makes me look like I'm sort of antiquated, so I just sort of go along with it. But I actually have this thing here so that whenever I'm eating, I'm supposed to gauge how many carbs I'm eating, then I pump it into here, and then it shoots in insulin into my body to help kind of maintain and regulate my blood sugar levels. Now that's really great, and it makes life a whole lot easier, but y'all, you can look at me and tell I have never dieted in my life before, and so I don't know anything about carbs. I had no idea how to count carbs, and uh, so, you know, I was just totally guessing at the beginning. But then I found an app on my phone, which was absolutely awesome. It's called Calorie King. Have any of y'all ever heard of Calorie King? Maybe not. Uh, it's, now, the great thing about it is it has restaurants that are listed on it and has their menus on it. And uh, so what I can do is I can look up a certain item on a menu and it'll tell me how many carbs are in it. Then I can dial it in and then I can eat it and it will kind of help regulate my blood sugar. So I think it's, it's a really cool thing. It's made life so much easier for me to be able to do that. Now, now one thing, though, that we know is that it's important for us to be healthy physically. Now, but it's, while we know that, it's not always easy to do. And we kind of struggle with that whole thing. And I think part of the reason why is I know that, that for me, I'd much rather uh, not eat grilled fish or broiled fish and broccoli, but instead I'd rather go to Five Guys and get like a double bacon cheeseburger and that enormous sack of fries. I mean, have you all ever eaten that? It's absolutely unbelievable. And so I would rather do that all the time. But if I maintain that kind of a lifestyle, we all know that that's not, in the long run, that's not, that's not good for your body. That might be shocking to some of you. And what can happen is it can, you know, it, it'll kind of clog your arteries. I know that it makes me rather lethargic, makes me tired. And so trying to maintain a healthy spiritual diet is not easy. And the same thing is true maintaining a healthy spiritual diet. Now we all like to talk about how, how we want to be in better shape spiritually and yet to actually do that is a struggle for a lot of us. You know, and again, just being human, I know for me, I'd rather sit down and watch TV all day than pray for somebody. I mean, that's a great statement, isn't it? I mean, I'd, I'd, rather, you know, I'd rather spend time focusing on myself rather than getting up and going out and serving other people. And yet if I maintain that type of a lifestyle, then spiritually I'm going to waste away. Now, if you struggle, like me, with some of these things, the, the good news for you is the Bible has an app for that. The Bible has an app to help you maintain a spiritually healthy diet. The, the key, though, is for us to actually apply it to our lives. And I hope that you're up for the challenge. I hope that I'm up for the challenge. And so what we're going to do today is we're just going to look at a couple of verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn there. And what's interesting about the book of Romans is the first 11 chapters in Romans talks about what God does for his people, what God does for those who follow him. And then you get to chapter 12, and it switches. And it begins to talk about what we are to give back to God. Now, for a lot of us, that throws us for a loop because we like the first 11 chapters. I know like when I go to church or I go to a seminar or I go to a conference, I like somebody to tell me what their stuff is going to give me. I mean, do you all like that? I don't like going places where they tell me, this is what you are to give. I like to receive. And then Paul comes along and he says, listen, if you are a follower of God, 
you don't only receive, but you also have a calling to give. And so, if that's the case, well then how do we do it? And why is it important? Well, to maintain a healthy spiritual life with God, it requires us being a people who give. And so today, what I want us to see very, very briefly today, is how we can maintain a healthy spiritual diet. And it first begins with us giving God your body. If you want a healthy spiritual life, it begins with you giving your body to God. Now I want you to look with me in verse number 1. It says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Now it's a big deal for Paul to say during this day and in this context that we were to give our bodies to God. And the reason why is because the Greek philosophers of the day, you might say, what does this have to do with Romans? Well, they were very influential in Rome. They said that the human body was inherently evil. Said the body really doesn't matter, it doesn't carry with it much value. What's important is, is your soul. Now, I think we would all agree that the human body is something that is temporary. We would all agree that the soul is what is important. But what the people were doing in this day is they were taking that statement and saying, well, if the body's really not that important, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to put into it whatever I want to. I, mean, I can eat poorly. I can fulfill the desires and the lust of my flesh because the human body doesn't matter. Now, the body is temporary. But guys, here's the deal. God is the one who gave you your body, right? He's the one who created you, and he created your body to be a tool that you use to fulfill his mission for your life. The Bible says that your body is important. As a matter of fact, it is called the temple of God. God desires to dwell inside of you. Now, if you know that God wants to come and live inside of you, like he wants to come and live with you, what's one thing that you're going to want to do in that space that he's going to be living? I don't know about y'all. I want it to be clean. You know, I want, it to, I want it to look good. I want it to be presentable. That's why we're told in 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you've received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now that, that sounds good, but it's not always easy to pull off. It's not easy for me to pull off. I mean, I know for me, one thing that's easy for me to do, it is easy for me to trust God with my eternity, with heaven. But when it comes to day-to-day -day life, I don't want God really in charge of that. I think, yeah, I'll take care of that myself. Now why is that, why is that so easy for me to do, to give Him heaven but not day-to-day -day life? Because heaven seems like it's a long ways off. You know, for a lot of us, right? Think, well, I'm going to let God take care of that. That's not something I've seen before. I'll let him handle that. But the day-to-day -day stuff, I'm going to be in charge of that. I want to have control of that. But if you belong to Jesus, every part of your life belongs to him. You belong to God. And you were to offer your body, the Bible says, as a living sacrifice to God. Now, sacrifice is talked about a lot in the Bible. Going through the Old Testament, you talk about sacrifices. When we typically think of, of the priests, they would slaughter animals to shed blood for the forgiveness of sins. Now, we no longer sacrifice like that anymore. 
And the reason why is because Jesus came and gave himself up as a sacrifice for us for all time so that we don't have to do that anymore. Hebrews 7.27 says, Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of other people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus gave himself up for us as a sacrifice, which means we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore for the forgiveness of sins. But did you know that God still calls for us to make sacrifices? He calls for us to be a living sacrifice for Him. When you belong to Him, He wants you to live in sacrifice to Him. Now, what does that mean? What's well, in reference to you as you live in the decisions that you make, in the way that you live, in your actions, in the way that you think, that you bring those things to God, saying, God, I want you to have charge of those things. I surrender my living body and life to you. Now, anytime you talk about surrendering, especially in our, in our country, in our culture, it automatically means you lose, right? I mean, how in the world do you surrender? How in the world do you give up and yet still win? And yet that's what Jesus tells us. He says, if you're going to win in life, it begins with you giving up. It begins with you surrendering. There's a guy named Bruce Larson, Christian counselor. He's also a writer. And he has a, had an office in New York City. And he said he'd counsel a lot of people. And they'd come in and, and talk to him. And he said, and he would encourage them to surrender their lives to Christ, to follow him. And they'd really struggle with it, like, like so many people do. And so he wanted to give them a visual of what it meant to surrender to Jesus. And so he said, what I'd do is I'd stand up and say, why, why don't you follow me? We're going to go across the street. And he said, we walked across the street, and he said across the street from his office was the RCA building. And uh, it's like 30 Rock. And so he said in front of that RCA building, he said there's this huge statue. It's like, I think it's like a gold statue of Atlas. And on his back, he's got the, he's got the entire world on his back. And he's, you know, he's sitting there, he's straining, and all of his muscles are popping out. And he's holding the world. And Bruce Larson would tell his patients, he said, now you can try to handle the world like this, and try to carry it all by yourself. He said, or you can do this. And he said, well, they walked across the street, and St. Patrick's Cathedral is across the street. He said, they'd walk across the street, they walked into the church, and he said, inside that church, there is a statue of a little boy Jesus holding the world in his hand. He said, or you can try to handle the world like this, where you say, Lord, I give you my world, and I'll let you carry it. Two different ways to handle the world. You can carry it yourself, or you can surrender and give to Jesus. Now, guys, you can try to carry life all by yourself, but I promise you, you will be crushed under the weight of this world. And that's why Jesus says if you want victory in life, if you want to have a healthy spiritual life, he says you have to give your all to God and say, God, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to trust you to carry my world. Now, if we're going to have a healthy spiritual diet, it begins with us giving God our body. But the second thing I want you to see, it also begins with you giving God your mind. God wants your body. He also wants your mind. In verse number 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. One of the major struggles that we have is that as people, we like to blend in 
with everybody else. I mean, not many people really enjoy standing out from anybody else. Because if you stand out from anybody else, it's real easy for you to become a target. I mean, if you have, if you have different beliefs, you have different viewpoints, and you decide that you're going to live by those viewpoints and different beliefs, then you're going to become a target. And I don't know about you, that's not one of my favorite things in the world. I don't like having, like, a bullseye on me. I want to blend in with everybody else, with what society says, so people will just leave me alone. But Paul says something interesting in verse number 2. He says, do not conform to the image of this world any longer. That word conform, it means to blend in with your surroundings. And I said, well, what's wrong with blending in? Well, the one who's in charge of all the blending in, the patterns of this world, is the devil. Now, let me tell you something. Satan does not have the best intentions in mind for you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. In John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. See, the devil wants, wants to control our minds. Because he knows that if he controls our minds, then what happens is eventually he controls our actions. If we blend in with everybody else, he, he controls how we live. Now, contrary to popular belief, did you know that God wants you to stand out for him? He doesn't want us to be embarrassed about what we believe in. He doesn't want us to be embarrassed about how we live. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. What does a light do? It shines. You know, people notice it. It's not like you hide it. He says, you're the light of the world. city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. He said, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Those verses remind me of a, of a song that you know, most of us learned when we were little kids. Y'all remember what it is? That's a little light of mine. That's right, that's a little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. But hide it under a bushel? Yeah, y'all are good. Y'all are good. Hide under, no, you're not going to hide under a bushel. Say, I'm going to let it shine. So how do we shine? How do we let other people see us not blending in with society? It begins with you allowing God to have charge of your mind. The world wants your mind. The world wants your mind. Why do you think so many billions of dollars are spent in advertising every year? Because advertising makes a difference. I mean, it does. It affects what you buy. It affects, you know, how you live. It affects even your belief system. The world wants to influence you and have your mind because if they have your mind, they'll have your actions. Now, Jesus wants your mind not so that you'll be enslaved to him, but he wants your mind so that you will have freedom. If you go back to verse number 2 again, it says, Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. As if, if you look and see what a steady diet of worldly thinking has got us, it hadn't gotten us a whole lot. You know, it's not exactly like it's brought us down the evolutionary chain to where we're just greater and greater people than we were 3,000 years ago. I mean, we're just garbage all around us when we buy into a worldly way of thinking. I mean, worldly way of thinking has led to us killing millions of babies in abortion. 
A worldly way of thinking has gotten us to a place where we are now more dependent upon drugs for survival than ever before. I saw the number one prescribed drug in America, and I'm thankful for them, but it's antidepressants. It's because there's a, there's a sense of hopelessness and a sense of anxiety like there's never been before. We need transformation in our thinking, in our minds. That's why, that's why Paul said we are to give God our minds. That word transformation in verse number 2, it, it literally means metamorphosis. Now, whenever we are transformed in our thinking, we follow after God, what are we changed into? You know, a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. What, what happens to us? When we give God our minds, we become more like Jesus. That's why David wrote in Psalm 119, 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When you give God your mind, your destination will be different than when the world has control of your mind. But you have to be careful. You have to make wise decisions. Uh, back in 1983, there was a story about Korean Airlines Flight 007 that flew out of Alaska to Seoul, Korea. What they didn't know when that plane flight began is that the GPS system was, or the navigation system was off one and a half degrees. That's not a whole lot. As they began that flight, I mean, you, they couldn't tell that there was any deviation from where they were supposed to be going. When they were 100 miles into the flight, that one and a half degrees was so small, you, you couldn't tell that they were getting off course. But as they continued to fly hundreds and thousands of miles, that one and a half degrees got them so far off course, they began to fly over Soviet airspace. And some of you might remember what happened is that the Soviet Union scrambled fighter jets into the air and they shot down a commercial airliner, killing everybody on board. Now, what's the lesson there? Well, the lesson is pretty simple. Choose your direction well. Choose the course you're going to be on well. Now, although poor choices may hurt you minimally at the beginning, as you continue to live that way over time, it is extrapolated out. And man, you end up in a place you never wanted to be. That's why Paul says, listen, if you're going to be healthy spiritually, he said, give God your body. He said, give God your mind. And then the last thing I want you to see tells us that we're to give God our will. To give Him our will. Verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. He probably the biggest question that I've seen in in the years that I've been ministering, is how do I know God's will for my life? Everybody wants to know God's will. And we want to know what God's will is for our life because it's sort of like this, it's sort of like this map that we can follow and we know I can, I can do this stuff and I'm not going to be screwing up. You know, I, I am doing exactly what God wants me to do. And I think that'd be, that'd be cool. You know, if we had like this blueprint that God would just sort of send to us and say, okay, am I doing my, what I'm supposed to be doing on Monday? But what Paul says, he says, listen, before you know the will of God, the first thing you have to do is you have to be, give, you have to be willing to give God your will. Where you come to a place where you say, Lord, what's important is not what do I want, but God, what's important is what do you want for me. Now, most of us fight against that because we want what we will for. We, we, we will for certain things in our lives regardless of what others think. You know, I will 
for a bigger house. I will for a, you know, a nicer job. I will for more people to look up to me. I mean, and, and not, not that there's anything wrong with those things if they've been placed in your heart by God. Now you might say, well, in my life, the things that I desire, how do I know if they come from God or not? How do I know if that is what God wants me to do? Well, if you look in verse number 2 again, it tells us that whenever we put ourselves under the leadership of Jesus, we will be able to discern what His will is for our lives. That word discern in verse number 2, it means to recognize as genuine after examination. Now, Paul is telling us we'll be able to discern what God's will is when we place ourselves under his leadership. Now, how, can, how, how does that work out? Let me put it to you like this. If you go on a diet, how do you know if the diet is working or not? How do you know? You lose weight, right? I mean, it's, it's, you see it. It's something that is discernible. Now, if you are following after God then how do we know if we really are or not? It's going to be discernible. It's going, there, there are going to be things that you're going to be able to see in your life that show that you are following after the leadership of God. Now, there's many of us, and we want to know God's will, but where we get confused is it's almost like we're going on a diet, but we refuse to change what we eat. And they're like, man, why am I not losing weight? I don't get this. And for many of us as believers, we're like, you know, why do I not feel like I know what God wants me to do in my life? Now, I'm not spending any time in His Word. I'm not spending any time in serving other people. So why don't I know what God's will is? It's because you're not immersing yourself in the things of God. If you want to know God's will, immerse yourself in God's Word. Now, let me try to explain it like this. There's a little boy that wanted to learn more about jade. This is years ago. It's in China. And so he went to a teacher and said, I want to be an expert on jade. And so the teacher said, well, I'll teach you. And so he got, got a piece of jade, and he put it in the boy's hand. He said, hold on to it tightly. And then he began to talk to the boy about, about politics, about nature, about women. This went on for like an hour, and he never said anything about the jade. After an hour, he said, let me have that stone back. So the boy gave it back. He did this for weeks on end. And the teacher telling the same things over and over again. And the boy's getting frustrated. It's like, he's not telling me anything about jade. One day, he came back to the teacher. The teacher put a stone in his hand, and as soon as he did, the boy looked down and said, that's not jade. You see, he had immersed himself the entire time holding and feeling what the jade was, that as soon as something false was put in his hand, he immediately recognized that it wasn't the stone that he had wanted to learn so much about. Now, Guys, we talk about we want to know God's will. Let me tell you something. When you immerse yourself in God's Word and you read Scripture and you worship and you go into Bible study and you serve other people and you are constantly putting into your mind what God's Word says, as soon as something comes to you that is not from God, you will be able to recognize it immediately. You'll be able to say, hey, you know what, the, what he just said? That's not, that's not found in God's Word. What that person is saying is right. That's not, what, that's not what Scripture says. You see, whenever you immerse yourself in God's Word more and more, you begin to understand more and more what God's Word and will is for your life. And I promise you, it will make your decision-making process a whole lot smoother when you know what path God wants you on. All right, so what does all this mean? Well, if we're honest with ourselves, some of us have to say, you know what, I 
I do not have a healthy spiritual diet. But I like one. How does that happen? Well, Paul points out a few things here. Paul says very simply, give God your body, give him your mind, and give him your will. What happens if we do that? Here's the promise. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And it says, he will make your paths in life straight. As there's a lot of us, we, we need help spiritually. We need to be in shape spiritually. We are living in a time and in a world that needs to see believers who are in shape spiritually because we have some battles ahead of us. We have the battle for truth that's ahead of us, and we need to know what that truth is. The truth is found right here in God's Word. And the cool thing, you begin to wonder, hey, is, is there an app for that? Yep. It's found in Scripture. God gives us truth that we might immerse ourselves in it so that when falsehood comes our way, we will immediately pick it up because we know what His Word says. Thank you.